Hello there. This is Obita, the podcast where we discuss law, tech, and business and try to make sense of it all. My name is Zikora. Thank you very much for joining us. Senator Elisha Abu is the senator in the viral video who beat up a woman in a shop. One year later, the criminal charges against him at the Zuba Magistrate Court in Abuja for assault has been dismissed by the magistrate. Of course, this has drawn outrage from the public and suggestions that there was foul play, including the possibility that the magistrate was bribed. But was he? The dismissal was predicated on a no-case submission raised by the defense counsel standing on the provisions of section 303 of the administration of criminal justice act that's the acja in this episode of the obita podcast we try to do an analysis of this case and help us understand it a little more and our conversation veers into other things like the need for a reform of our criminal justice system i'm with akobome apuge and this conversation begins at the offending section Section 303 of the ACJA. Uh, So you were talking about Section 303 of the ACJA. Yes. So Section 303 of the ACJA instructs the courts as to what to do when a no-case submission is made. And here are the considerations the court has to make. There are four of them, namely whether or not an essential element or ingredient of the crime has been proved. Okay. Yes, whether the evidence adduced links the accused person to the commission of the offense. Okay. Whether the evidence is such that no reasonable court or tribunal would convict on it and then any other ground on which a Pimac Fashi case can be held or not have been made out against the accused person. Before we go further, I hope we realize the evidence that is before the court because based on these conditions, there was a video that clearly showed his face, one. Yes, yes. There was medical reports of her assault, two. Yeah? Yes, yes. And then there there was the apology on national television. You saw that? Yes, I saw that. You saw the Senate sitting, disciplinary committee sitting that he appeared before. Yes, and I saw then all of them. you saw the. Uh, I'm sure that there was witness of the victim in this case. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I saw how did these pieces of evidence not ground a prima facie case? Okay. Um, essentially, every lawyer knows that no matter the prevalence of the evidence that is out there outside the courts in media in the ether, wherever the evidence is, until the evidence is brought properly before the court, the court is presumed to act as though there is no evidence before the court. So it is on the prosecution to present those, to tender those evidence properly, lay whatever foundation needs to be laid, and thereafter, the court will be able to give weight to all of all these things that you have mentioned. Now, in the absence of a law report, we have to rely on newspaper reports. Yes. And um, the newspaper reports published by The Punch, which is what my thread was essentially on, actually reported that two witnesses were called the nominal complainant, that is the victim herself, and then the investigating police officer. 
although this is one of the problems I, I had with the prosecution in the case, I'll just leave it at the fact that the two of them were called. And then the medical report you mentioned, CCTV footage, the confessional, alleged yeah. confessional video. These were the okay. three things that were tendered and they were all tendered through the investigating police, investigating police officer. That said, I think now it's, it's as good a time as any to say that my thread and all of the views I hold on this matter have essentially nothing to do with um, whether or not I have sympathy for the victim. I have utmost sympathy for the victim. I'm not approving of how the case went or how an alleged um, offender may end up walking free and justice may not be done. I have utmost sympathy for the victim. And yeah. mine was an appraisal of the process that led us to that point. And I feel like the blame should be placed properly. That said, I, I feel the blame falls squarely on the prosecution. And here's why I believe so. First of all, the, 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 the incidents in question had a lot of witnesses. There was the owner of the store, whose name was given in the report to be Kemi. There was the victim herself. And then there were several people in the store. And there were also security officers on ground, all of whom had key testimonies to give as to what they witnessed that happened on the dates in question. But the prosecution, in their wisdom, chose to only call the nominal complainant and the investigating police officer. And they tendered all of the documents through the police officer, including the medical reports. Now, a medical report is not signed by the police officer. A medical report is not issued to the police officer. It's issued to the patient of the, the doctor. Okay. Now, okay. who in this case was the victim, yeah? Who in this case was the victim? It may seem like that's a lot to go over, but this foundation is necessary to lay um, for the next point I'm going to make. Um, okay. So going forward also, the newspaper reports on the 1st of August by Punch also stated that the video that was presented to the courts and tendered through the investigating police officer, she is on record as a police investigating police officer now, is on record as saying that that video was not the CCTV footage that was obtained from the store. It okay. was instead an abridged version that was burnt into a CD and given to her by the victim. So you have a CCTV footage and the proper thing to do would have been to obtain that CCTV footage and lay the necessary foundation. If you collect an abridged version that is already essentially a doctored version and you collect yes. it from the victim, yes. it, it already seems like you are boycotting what should be the proper thing. You are, you are, and you are, you are not the person who made that video. So there's already hearsay. The po investigating police officer is tendering a document that she did not produce and that was not obtained from the maker of that video. The same punch report states clearly that all attempts to get the actual CCTV footage from the store owner by name Kemi proved abortive. I don't understand how difficult it would have been to obtain the actual CCTV footage and then tender it through either the shop owner or even a forensic ex expert that would dismiss all doubts 
that that was okay. a doctor. So in this case, the problem was not the content or the substance of the video. Yes. But the source the, of the video. Yes. And remember that section 303 already states that um, where evidence has been laid out, but yes. no reasonable tribunal or court can convict on that evidence. That is one of the grounds for which a no-case submission can be upheld. Okay. So in this the first piece of evidence that is in contest now is the widely circulated um, footage, which I saw with horror and consternation. And I believe the vast majority of Nigerians saw with horror and consternation as well. So okay. all the prosecution had to do would have been to present that evidence in the proper way. By presenting it through someone who did not make it, even though that person is a police officer who investigated the case, that document is already tainted. It is now hearsay. Now, many people would say, if the court already admitted it, then it is properly before the court. The fact of the matter is, the courts only look at relevance when the question of admissibility of evidence comes up. So okay. is that relevant to the trial? Yes, it's relevant. So no matter how much um, noise the defense counsel may make to the admissibility, the court has no choice but to admit it. Now, whether the court or any reasonable tribunal or court would, on the basis of that evidence, ground the conviction, that's another question entirely. Yes. And the video that is now tendered before the court is tainted by hearsay, then that is, that is all there is to it about that. But that video wait, is dead on arrival. Wait, apart from that video... There, the there are certain other evidence pieces that I'm going to get to on one after the other. So okay. apart from that video that recorded the incident, there's also yeah. the medical report. The medical report was one of the um, documents that was sought to be tendered through the investigating police officer. Yeah. Now, Premium Times on the 19th of November, they brought out a, a news report that really detailed what happened in court on yeah. that day. They established that the medical reports, the video of the incident, which I had earlier yeah. talked about, as well as the confessional statements were all tendered through the investigating um, yeah. police officer. Yes. Now, a police officer doesn't make a medical yeah. report. A police officer, generally in the course of their business, would not be issued a victim's medical report. So tendering a, um, a medical report through a party that is a stranger to the medical report also renders it documentary hearsay. It would have cost the prosecution nothing to get the doctor who signed that medical report to tender it. At the very least, tender it through the victim herself because it's a document that pertains to her. So that is another piece of evidence that no reasonable court or tribunal can ground a conviction upon. Okay. The final thing that was tendered was okay. the confessional yes. piece. The very first words that Senator Elisha Arbor said in that video is, I am not here to give my account of what happened. I am here to apologize. And then he went on and on about how people know his character and saying certain other irrelevant things. Every prosecutor ought to know that a confession is not mm -hmm. a confession unless it, con it contains positive and direct affirmations of the offense that is okay. in question. If you allege that I slap you and you are crying and I come and I say, I'm sorry that you are crying, 
that is not a confession. It may give rise to the fact that, yes, there is some question there, but it is not a confessional statement. Yes. And then by stating clearly that he is not here to give his account of what happens, that already affects the validity of the confession yeah. in question. Because I, I, I hate to go on a road that people don't like um, traveling, but Nigeria is essentially a conservative nation when it comes to the matter of sex and sexual items and yeah. all of that. The store in question is a yeah. sex store. It is not inconceivable that a sitting senator would have to apologize for being spotted in a sex store, one, or even being involved in a shouting match in a sex store, two. There are many things that Senator Abok would have been apologizing for by saying, I apologize for my actions. So it's rather vague. And to tender that as a confessional statement, it raises question mark as to the, the competence of the prosecutor. I don't, I don't want you to go, get into that. I think that's the next question I, I was going to ask. The competence of the prosecuting yes. counsel, because I don't understand how, these are basic things. I don't understand how it has been this exactly. careless. Exactly. And, and the, the judge had that much to say about how it seemed like little or no investigation went no, into this was, case. No, there was now, no investigation. What, there was no prosecution. Now, when, when, when we, when we we appoint prosecutors and attorney generals and all of that. The one thing that people fail to realize is that these people are purveyors of everybody's will, the common will yes. of the people. And so if you get a case where the consensus of the people is that this man should go down for it, then it is your responsibility to make sure that you do your due diligence to ensure that justice takes place in this case. And to handle this matter, this high-profile matter, like it's nothing. You only call two witnesses and, 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 and then even the two witnesses, you do a shoddy job of leading them to tender, to, to tender and identify the, the piece of evidence that pertains to them. It's, it should be criminal. It's malpractice. It's malpractice that now a, a, a person who's caught on video assaulting a citizen, a public official for that matter, he's going to, he's probably going to walk free on the basis of your incompetence on just because you couldn't okay. do your job. And that is that, that was the thrust of my thread. It was that the prosecutor botched the matter. People will point at the judges and say, this judge was corrupt or this judge, or this, this magistrate rather doesn't know his onions and all of that and all of that. But if a reasonable tribunal or court cannot ground a conviction based on the evidence that you present, you have tied the hands of the magistrate to do nothing but to uphold a local submission. Okay. What is the impact of the dismissal of this case? Can citizens or maybe um, interested parties still try to um, secure a conviction, maybe by going to a different court? Okay. Now, the, the position of the law with regards to local submissions is that where it leads to a discharge, and maybe it's necessary for us to paint what a no-case submission really is for listeners who may not be familiar with the concept. So when a person is charged with an offense, it is the responsibility of the prosecution, which is usually an, author, an, an arm of the state or the federation, it is their responsibility to charge that matter. It is not the responsibility of the victim. The victim only becomes a nominal complainant 
It is instead the responsibility of the state through the prosecutorial arm of um, the state. Now, the prosecutors have to prove their case beyond reasonable doubt. And doing this means they have to furnish enough evidence to establish that a crime yeah. was committed and that crime had all the ingredients that qualifies it to be to be tribal under that section. For instance, if there is rape, the prosecutor has to prove that there was what constitutes rape, which would be penetration in most jurisdictions, penetration usually of the vagina, without the consent of the yeah. victim. Now, if the prosecution proves that there was penetration but is unable to prove the absence of consent, then there is no yes. risk. Now, a no-case submission is essentially saying, it's essentially the, the accused person saying, yes, you have accused me of doing such and such and such, but you have failed to prove each of the ingredients of what you are accusing me okay. of doing. Now, for assault, it have to be that he had the intention of carrying out an assault or essentially hitting the woman yes. in this case. So he intentionally hits this person, disregarding their rights that their bodies are yeah. inviolable. Now, the, if the prosecution proves, proves that he punches this person or he punched this person, but they are unable to so much as prove that he had the intention of punching that person, then they fail, and then a no-case submission will yeah. be upheld. A no-case submission is either you have failed to prove an ingredient of the offense you are alleging, or you have not brought any evidence at all. Or if you have brought evidence, the evidence you have brought is so, is so discredited or has no validity such that no tribunal, magistrate, or court can convict yeah. on those things. Or Senator Abbas attorney had to show was that these things you have laid out, they are either insufficient or they are grossly discredited. And if they succeed in doing that, the court upholds the no-case submission and then there is a discharge. Now, a discharge, back to your question as to what the implication of a discharge on a no-case submission is, a discharge on a no-case submission simply means that this person is essentially acquitted. At that point, that the magistrate who gives that judgment becomes functus official. That is, he has no more authority okay. in that matter. The only remedy is for the case to go okay. on appeal. So essentially, Senator Abor has been acquitted. Wow. And the only remedy is oh, appeal. Wow. If the appeal court manages to be convinced by the appellant that this no-case submission was wrongfully upheld, then they get to start afresh at the lower courts. Now, back to what I what I pointed out that we had not talked about the oral yes. testimony of the two um, prosecution witnesses. Now, for the oral testimony of the investigating police officer, that oral testimony is a mess because, according to the news report I quoted before by the Premium Times, or Premium Times on the nineteenth of November, yeah. twenty nineteen. It is stated clearly there that upon cross-examination, the defense counsel put to the investigating police officer this question. All that you have come to tell us today are things that you have been told. And her answer was yes. Wow. wow. Now, that means that everything that that woman testified is hearsay. No courts no matter how gracious they want to be, can ground a conviction yes. on hearsay. Yes. On 
no court can and and, and that leaves okay. us with the oral testimony. Wait, wait, let's not go into the technicalities so yeah? deep because we we are talking we are touching okay. on the technicalities a lot and I think that we should okay. get out of there and move forward. The the prosecution okay. was obviously very incompetent. And there has been a trend of prosecutorial authorities acting in very interesting manners like this, like being so incompetent to the point of absurdity. These are lives, unlike civil suits where you're essentially talking about damages. When it comes to criminal matters, you're talking about lives at stake. And it's sad to note that some of the most uninspired lawyers in practice you will meet are those in criminal litigation on the prosecutorial side. And it's sad. They either miss a a court date or they take two steps where one would be needed. They don't show up at all. They keep seeking adjournments on spurious reasons. It's it's mind-boggling that there is no check for those. There's no investigation for those who are supposed to do our investigation on other people. The police act, I think section 23 gives the police gives police officers powers to appear in courts. And a lot of times I meet them in court. And yes, the, 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 the police, the police act as it's currently framed doesn't necessarily require that police prosecution police prosecutors be legal practitioners. Yes. And that is the problem because it's hard to see how someone can go through the formal training to become a lawyer for five years in the university and one year in law school, and then get, get outsmarted by a, a police officer who, while he has experience on the job, may not necessarily have all of the foundational training. It's one of the reasons why cases will remain poorly managed until such a time where, okay, now that we're at this, I feel, I feel it's a good point, it's a good um, point to raise this I believe that half the job, half the job of criminal justice reform has to be done in the offices of the prosecutorial authorities until such a time where heads begin to roll when obvious cases are thrown out like this Senator Abbas case. Half the job was already done for the prosecutorial authority. You already had all the video you needed. You had everything you needed. All you needed to do was go to court and do the writing. If you fail to do that, I don't see why you still have a job. Really. Exactly. There should be there should be there should be checks. Heads have to roll in such cases where where open and short cases are thrown out due to um, mal, mal, malpractice and incompetence. Until such a time when that is done, there will be no real justice reform. Because if I were a corrupt judge, I'm not saying I am. I obviously am not a judge. How much more a corrupt judge? But if I were a corrupt judge and I were faced with the option of collecting a bribe, I will more readily collect a bribe for a case that I know already suffers a serious defect, such that even if I don't take that bribe, the case is going to be thrown out anyway. So until such a time when prosecutors begin to sit up. Beyond that, beyond, is it possible that it's um, about remuneration or is it possible that it's about the culture? I'm asking because the EFCC does it as well. The ICPC does as well. Okay, so um, essentially, what you talk on paints a much broader yeah. picture. Now, if, if we're going to be talking about prosecutorial reform, it's going to be from, from the, the ground up. 
Now, there are a myriad of factors that could lead to this. First of all, there's a heavy caseload on every attorney general's office, a heavy caseload, in that it's almost impossible, first of all, for the number of staff that that is um, usually employed to keep track of everything so that court dates get missed, not necessarily by a fault of anybody. It's just we don't have the manpower to handle this much stuff. Things slip through the cracks. First of all, there's a staffing problem, there's a remuneration problem, and then there's also a cultural problem. As long as corruption remains the order of the day as it continues to be, it's impossible to find any area of public service or even private life where corruption would not um, have seeped in. So what we can do if there's ever the real political will to fight corruption, as long as the judiciary is concerned, would be, first of all, to revamp the prosecutorial offices, let it be properly staffed, have supervisory authorities in place, people who check the activities of the prosecutors, because it, it seems like, it seems to me like there is no check like any any um, any public prosecutor, any state council just goes to court and does essentially what they like. If there was a chain of command where you have to report to and you will be assessed, and if you don't meet a certain standard, you will be let go of, people would sit up more. But none of this can happen also unless it is properly staffed. That is, the offices are properly yeah. staffed. It would, it would mean employing more and competent, not just more people, but competent lawyers. It would mean instituting checks within the system. You can't have, it, it's a travesty. This Senator Abbas case is a travesty. And it's a travesty because the prosecution botched it. There are even unconfirmed reports about how they would not show up in court, which is very common with prosecutors. Thank you very much, AKP. I understand that we cannot exhaust all there is to learn about this subject, so um, we're open to suggestions, to questions, to any contribution that you'll have. Please send us an email at obitahq at gmail.com or you could reach out to us on Twitter at obitahq, that is O-B-I-T-E-R-H-Q.
Senator Elisha Bo is the senator in the viral video who beat up a woman in a shop. One year later, the criminal charges against him at the Zuba Magistrate Court in Abuja for assault has been dismissed by the magistrate. Of course, this has drawn outrage from the public and suggestions that there was foul play, including the possibility that the magistrate was bribed. But was he? The dismissal was predicated on a no-case submission raised by the defense counsel standing on the provisions of section 303 of the administration of criminal justice act that's the acja in this episode of the obita podcast we try to do an analysis of this case and help us understand it a little more and our conversation veers into other things like the need for a reform of our criminal justice system i'm with akpobome akpoge and this conversation begins at the offending section Section 303 of the ACJA.